Hello and welcome to the Method Matters show. I'm your podcast host, Greg Kuwi-Lyon, both co-founder and director of the Method Recruitment Group. Now, if you're new to the show, let me briefly explain. Um, This show is purely centered around interviewing true thought leaders who are doing things a little bit differently to most and learning more about their journeys, both past, present and future. And today, I am honoured not to only have a good friend on the show, but someone who is shaking up the industry standard when it comes to people and support. Welcome, Larissa Kane. Thank you. How are you, Larissa? Are you good? Good, good. Thank you. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Um, I am super mega thankful for you taking the time. I know it's a bit of a crazy time, especially around this time of year. So thanks for joining us on the show. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> Good, thanks. Perfect. Now, for those of you who don't know who Larissa is, uh, Larissa is the head of people for Cars24, a growing global group who are revolutionising the way that you go about purchasing a vehicle online with offering a peace of mind. Does that sound about right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Perfect, perfect. They've been rehearsing that bit probably. Um, now, Larissa, it truly is a people-focused professional who started her career in recruitment uh, many moons ago, similar to me. In fact, we did work at the same organisation for a wee while, um, hence how we both got we both cut our teeth when I came to Australia in 2010. Um, with 11 years of industry experience, both across the UK and Australia, across a multitude of industries, including entertainment, finance, health, defence, and now tech startups. Uh, Larissa has purely and solely learned a lot about people, what to do and what not to do when it comes to people, support and leadership. And we're going to delve into a bit of that right now. Um, But before we get skin deep, Larissa, tell us more about, I suppose, people that have kind of shaped you and maybe some of your sort of biggest influences Today. Yeah, I think when it comes to my career and um, overall overall pathway, I hadn't actually ever envisaged um, going straight into HR. Um, I left high school and wanted to travel the world and, and actually go around the world dancing. Um, my father had better ideas and thought that wasn't the most sensible thing to do. Yeah. So I suggested I do some something to do with business. So I signed up a bit naively to business at university and did all my initial papers. And out of all the papers I did, the only one I enjoyed was the people and communication one. Yeah. Um, so not much of a, a maths whiz or on the accounting side of things. So that's where it all started, which was more forced, I suppose, um, as a sensible, more sensible uh, career path um, than dancing around the world. But then from there, I think in terms of um, what's been my biggest influence um, career-wise, adding on to that is my father, just as far as being able to, it's always taught me, like growing up in an environment where I can achieve whatever whatever I can imagine types thing, as, as lovely as that sounds. Um, but yeah, always taught me to push push boundaries and learn more. And I'm super, um, always been super curious. So the people space in terms of how people work and what makes them tick and, you know, what, what really works for people, I found super, super interesting. But yeah, I've always been, always been influenced in a way to go as far as I want, really. Um, yeah, as far as quick as you know, broad or, or however. So that's been my biggest, um, yeah, career-wise biggest influence. I think. Brilliant. I think that curiosity piece is is huge, isn't it? I mean, being able to challenge the status quo, have the ability to sometimes go against the grain when it's probably told it's probably mm. not a good idea, but you're never going to grow and evolve unless you can bring some new ideas to the table. 
Yeah, absolutely. And having that curious mindset, is it is it helped with I suppose the the growth for for Cars Twenty Four? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we do, yeah, we do challenge quite a lot of status quo things. I think where it um, helps from having experience across all different industries, I suppose, and globally as well. But yeah, just because something's done a certain way for X amount of years doesn't necessarily mean it's the the best way, or not right or wrong way, but just best way in terms of getting the best outcome, what you need for the for the business and for the people. Love that. No, that's so true. Um, if we were to talk about leadership and obviously people look at leadership in so many different ways it can be looked at through so many different lenses um, and obviously we're here to provide as much insight as possible and your journey today is 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 a pathway that i'm sure most would absolutely love to 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 to, to be on but if you were to give someone advice as to how to break into that senior leadership space if that is an avenue for them are there any words of wisdom that you want to provide yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a few things. The first one, I know it's quite generic, but I would say um, to you're only limited by what you think you can achieve. And I know on paper that doesn't always work out. I know especially I don't know the exact statistics, but a lot of um, females look at job descriptions and if they can't do ninety five percent of the role or haven't done it, they think I won't apply. So I'd say the belief part um, in signing up to a role where you haven't done all of it. There's no harm in signing up to a role where it doesn't matter if that's 20, 30, 40%. Um, as long as you, there's a few things, not just obviously believing you can do it, um, but being open um, to feedback and being aware of your strengths as well. So whenever I've stepped into a new role um, or a role at a higher leadership level, I've been very reflective on my strengths, so the areas I can play well in, and then more so my development areas. So I don't call them weaknesses anymore, um, but development areas. If you're not aware of those in a real deep level and then surround yourself by peers or influences that can help you in that space, then you'll fall down in those spaces, and that's the, the part of the role you you know either haven't done or haven't had the experience or opportunity to do. Five other people in the same um, leadership team as me and the amount I can leverage from them and learn and like you know give and take vice versa is, is huge but I think it's just having that awareness and then really honing in like daily on your development areas and really you know gunning for it. Hey, you make a great point I think that self-awareness is is key isn't it and I think you make another good point around strengths and harnessing the strengths rather than then looking at individual weaknesses and then focusing on trying to bring those up to speed I think um, I think a lot of successful leaders kind of focus on what they do and what they do very well, and then eventually look. At, okay, great. So how can I upskill? How can I improve? Um, yeah, second. Yes, yeah. so everyone wants to focus on what they're good at. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Play in that space because it's more comfortable and obviously makes you look better as a as a leader and as a professional. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's that is that is absolutely true. Brilliant. Thank you. Some some good insights there. Um, over the past few years, obviously it's been a very strange Australian economy, obviously what's been happening pre-COVID, post-COVID. We look at the acceleration of technology by the means of, such as the, the use of, of, of Zoom and other sort of online platforms. Um, and, I, and again, I, I relate it back to the Cast 24 growth journey, vision and, and mission. I'll say, how has technology shaped your organisation over the past maybe two or three years? Yeah, absolutely. So um, technology doesn't exist um, to this extreme, I suppose, in automotive before. 
because it hasn't really needed to. Although, interestingly enough, during COVID, you know, most things have reverted to online. So most things have transferred across. Um, basically, just meaning that you can buy any, you know, buy as it stands, anything online whenever and as quick as you want, get it delivered. But that never existed in Australia for cars. It does exist uh, before us in the UK and America um, and really, really popular. So similar to, you know, ordering online, Uber Eats or Deliveroo, similar to that. Um, yeah, it's just never really existed. So we've used technology as an app-based tool, similar to, like I said, like Uber, that sort of um, tech, and then um, driven it that way. But the same, yeah, that's basically our main, main changer because we're still selling use cards but using yeah. that technology and being able to to do it all online get you know finance approval within like two minutes and not have to log on your computer just do it on your phone yeah so yeah it just makes it super easy for the customer and then customers are happy when, <laughs> when things are easy <laughs> absolutely i mean you, you, the element of convenience right i mean mm. basically that's what everybody wants people want that uh to be able to log onto their phone and pretty much work through what's the best means of purchasing this or it, it, it makes a bold, bold difference. Yeah, and I don't think people have done it for a big price item. Like, yeah. I think it's easier to do for a pizza, right? <laughs> but it's the same, it's in essence the same thing, you know, if you're not happy, you get refund yes. on your pizza or you get a new one, you know? So it's just yeah. exactly the same um, thing applied, but just in a different space. Yeah, I love that. That is so true. Brilliant. And it seems like it's been quite an exciting place to be over the past couple of years, which is, which is wonderful. You Absolutely. Be, yeah, you yeah. seem to be enjoying it, which is great. And COVID's actually, I you know there's a lot of a lot of negatives that come out of COVID, but it's actually been kind of handy, <laughs> handy yeah. for us in terms of um, you know everything being closed, people can't go out. Oh, brilliant! Oh, good to hear, mate. Good to hear. Mental health over the past, obviously, it's been a bit, a bit of a hot topic and a bit of a buzz word, um, but also as well perfectly apt in terms of what's been happening over the past few years, especially with obviously the acceleration of um, technology and use technology and working from home. And obviously COVID has been obviously something that a lot of organisations are trying to support and also trying to, um, to to roll out so they don't have any um, plans to support their teams. A lot of, a lot of organisations are putting things in place. And one thing I'd love to understand, especially with the growth journey that, that cars are on is, I suppose, how the organisation is combating, supporting mental health in the workplace, or whether potentially there are any other benefits that you're introducing um, to help further build retention as such. Yeah, it's been a lot of a lot in this space in terms of looking at what all different companies are doing. And what we're trying to do is instead of doing what's commonly called work-life balance, mm. um, which most people look at, you know, working nine to five, log off, disconnecting and getting that balance. We're sort of looking at a new terminology which has come about called work-life blend. No, I did not make it up. Um, take no credit for that. But work-life blend um, for us, the way we're implementing and trying to do is that nine to five working straight and then play doesn't actually really work that well for everyone. And it doesn't work for a few reasons. We're working from home. You know, people have got pets. People, Some people like to do yoga at lunchtime, tai chi, whatever it is. Um, but everyone's got their own sort of journey to being their best self and being stuck in an office nine to five doesn't necessarily work. So what we, we approach we've been taking um, is a very much you do you analogy, which sounds nice and simple, but basically that means people can work wherever, whenever and however they want. Um, and a lot of companies that do that are very um, input focused. So we, yeah, one of our core values being ownership and trust is we let people get on with it and create it how they want. 
rather than be dictated that by the manager or what the rest of the team are doing. Um, so that I think that really works for people. Um, Pre-COVID, um, a lot of companies did flexibility, but, you know, flexibility for picking up children from school or very, very basic things. Whereas, yeah, not everyone has kids, but people do have other other needs that they need flexibility for that have never really been factored in on this level. So we try and take a really holistic approach um, and philosophy. And I think that's really key with creating the, the future of working, like that it comes from a philosophy. So our main philosophy is, yeah, giving the ownership back. You do you and whatever works for you so you can be your best self. Um, and on top of that, is there, there are a few benefits we offer, which are a bit, bit outside of the box, I suppose you would say. Um, one of them being um, unlimited paid annually. Not many companies in Australia are doing that yet. It is popular overseas, especially um, in Silicon Valley and, and some of the mm-hmm. tech startups over there. But basically everyone's been in a position where you start a new job and you want to go to your cousin's wedding or your child's school play or you just want to have the afternoon off to get a massage, whatever it is, but you haven't been able to because you don't have to leave. So we don't want people's lives to stop or work to get in the way, but we want them to blend and be complementary so that people are actually enjoying, you know, you spend so much of your life at work. But mm-hmm. people should be adding to someone's life, not taking away from that sort of how I balance it out. Mm-hmm. That's that that is very unique. I mean, you're you're looking at individual lifestyles as opposed to balancing the life around the work, which I think is mm. a very unique approach. How how was it received when it got rolled out? Where were people welcoming it with, with open arms? Yeah, absolutely. I think the overall people were surprised <laughs> at first, but then when you explain the philosophy and the why, um, one of our other yeah company values is investing in people. So actually it's really good to be to be working in a space where in a company that is actually putting people first I mean I know it's it's one thing to you know talk the talk but walking the walk is the next thing so if employees can actually see that you're doing what you can to put their needs first um, then that just ends up win-win for everybody because if people are happy obviously everyone knows if people are happy they're gonna Enjoy their work more. And- I, I think um, I think absolutely. I, I think it's, it's a wonderful incentive to have. Also, at the same time, you are right. If you afford people the the luxury um, to have leave at their beck and call, um, hopefully it won't be abused. Um, but yeah, if, if you're right. If the outcomes aren't being achieved, then it can be questioned. Um, but a lot of productivity is mm-hmm. high. Hopefully, fulfillment and happiness will be high as well. So um, yeah, like you said, it's a win-win. Yeah. Side that we're doing is a wellness allowance. So a lot of companies do like ten percent off at a gym, or a free glasses checkup for the year, or a free fruit bowl. But the thing is, not everyone goes to the gym. Not everyone eats glasses, and not everyone eats fruit, right? So I did a bit of a study around to the wider um, community and reached out to see what the sense was for wellness. I looked at all these cool apps where you could sign up and get discounts here and Pilates or coffee points and all this stuff, and then it boiled down to why don't we just give people a wellness cash allowance? Mm. That's a yearly thing that they can spend on their own wellness journey, not on what we tell people is wellness for them. So we do that um, for every employee. So that's a, an annual, um, comes out actually in July coming up, but an annual um, incentive. So that covers all those areas. Excellent. And again, yeah. I think you make Because important to have benefits. Yeah, Absolutely. sorry, a bit of tangible and easy to use. Yeah. Yeah. I think you make a really good point. Um, everyone's journey is very different when it comes to wellness. Yeah, it means different things to different people. Um, the, the, the generalized approach of here's a fruit bowl or potentially, you know, we're going to go on this wellness retreat or we're going to go basically do a hike in the Dandenong Ranges. You've got to come. Um, it's wellness related. 
doesn't really suit everybody's needs or individual plans for what wellness could be for them. No, that's 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 really interesting there and very unique in a sense. Um, thanks for sharing. I do appreciate that. I suppose less about the organisation. Let's get really selfish and talk more about you. Um, and again, I'm a big fan of what you've achieved in a, in a very very short space of time and uh, and the exposure that you have gained. And then I suppose the diversity of what you've achieved as well across the industry is very unique in a sense. But are there any? individual milestones that you're super proud of? Yep. I'm just going to start at the beginning. I'll start with the biggest one. I think yep. the biggest one for me was um, moving to London and um, the exposure. Um, I'm from a very small small community, or not really but even a community, a small farm in New Zealand, um, and yeah, it didn't have that sort of wide, diverse exposure. I'm um, growing up and moved to Australia to to go from Melbourne um, to the UK and London. Um, completely different um, eye-opening experience on the professional front, obviously, and personal front. But I think that really sort of threw a, a huge net. Um, from what I learned over there and just the just the pool and diversity of people and the different ways pe- people operate at that sort of global level, I just, yeah, found super eye-opening and just so many new ideas and different ways of doing things. I think that was a huge hurdle forward um, in my career. Um, the other one would actually probably be my first, which you mentioned earlier, um, we worked together, but my first role um, was with Greg uh, in recruitment and... Yeah, I went into a graduate program uh, and I knew nothing. I, well, I knew what recruitment was, but I really, really had no clue. I was only 23, just turned 23, so fairly young and just straight out of university. But what I learned from, from that and the, the foundations um, from, yeah, really, really good, but small team was, yeah, was really, really good and set me up with some, you know, some solid, solid training and, and ideas to go and try new things. And the other one I'd probably say, not more of one milestone, but like little different milestones, I think is jumping industry. I've just found that really eye-opening. Yeah, I sort of, the last five years, I've done it on purpose. (laughs) Before that, it wasn't on purpose. It just happened to happen. Um, But yeah, changing industries has been very eye-opening and and challenges more more thoughts. Obviously, you can take principles and philosophies with you across industries, but yeah, that's been really, really, really good, game-changing. Yeah, that's great. And, and a lot of individuals, when they're on that sort of that, that job seeker journey, do have troubles changing industries. Um, there's a lot of, uh, especially in the finance space, in terms of the practice that I have been working in for the past 15 years, um, change issue can be a bit of a pickle for, for a lot of candidates. Have there been industries that you've genuinely enjoyed obviously technology being one but is, is there any ones that you thought wow like it was it was a real game changer for you in terms of that learning curve yeah absolutely I've got two um one from a more personal perspective and one from a business perspective but um, when I was in London I got the opportunity to work for an entertainment company um and that sort of teed together my professional HR space life and um personal life insofar as um I, I'm a dance teacher outside of Outside of HR, so um, yeah, I got to actually do all the HR side for a company that was um, doing all the lighting sound for the theatre in the UK, not just theatre, but like all the sports stadiums, all the heritage, all the, you know, palaces and tourist sites, so that was um, was really cool because that was like both of them blended together, 
um, which was super fun. Mm. But I think from a learning curve, um, healthcare was a pretty big learning curve. Yeah, so that was that was interesting. And I have actually come back a few times into finance. So I started obviously in the in the finance realm. I've got a sweet spot for it. So I have come back into insurance and finance a few times. Um, but yeah, no, really, really interesting. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Brilliant. Well, listen, Larissa, I can't thank you enough for sharing your um, your insights and journey. There was a, a whole heap that I'm sure that we could all learn from there. And listen, more on the softer side and uh, just kind of rounding things up. Obviously, you mentioned you're, you're a keen dancer and you still teach. I mean, do you, do you still continue to, to teach in your spare time as well? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I'm down to two days a week. Um, that's what I managed to fit in one night during the week. And then Saturdays are, yeah, are dancing days. That's more of my sort of unwind, disconnect, have a bit of fun mm. running around with the children. It's obviously quite different to what I do during the day. Yeah. That's awesome, mate. That's awesome. Now, listen, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure walking through this with you. Um, and listen, I just want to say thank you very much for your time and for your efforts and um, yeah, looking forward to catching up in due course. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we operate today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. We also pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.